Welcome to Artist Praxis Podcast, where artists make meaning of their art making. Every week, we hear one artist's creative process, learning all about their most recent finished project. We discuss everything artists work with, from materials to thoughts, from dreams to gestures, from feelings to tools. At Artist Praxis Podcast, we stand for inclusivity and curiosity, connectivity and human warmth. Hello, we are Deborah and Sarah. It is our pleasure to share with you another episode of the Artist Praxis Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. In this interview, we talked with artist Pala Sen about her recent work that is on view on our website, artistpraxis.com, and on Instagram at artistpraxis. We were ecstatic to hear the details of Pallavi's creative process. We can find out more about her work at her website, hoophouse.org, and on Instagram, at superfeministgirl. We have all the links listed on our show notes. Here at Artist Praxis, we hear all about the making of one work of art. Our interviews begin with the artists describing their work, and we end our conversation on the words play, rest, and nurture. We hope you enjoy this episode. So this work is a painting, and if you want to imagine it, it's about 10 inches by 17 inches. It's like a little bigger than a printer paper-sized work. And in the middle of it, there's a woman, and the woman is sort of uh, slowly walking she's like marching from the left side of the painting to the right side of the painting and she is surrounded by a lot of different kinds of small sculptures uh, or like ideas for sculptures so right below her feet there's like a sculpture made out of two flat kites and there's an effect of paper having been glued on top of each other on the kite, like how kites are made traditionally. Then right behind her, there's half of a sculpture that you can see that's made out of um, plywood. And above that, behind, this is all happening kind of mostly behind her. And behind that sculpture, there's another spread out blanket with different uh, views of the moon thinking about kind of how in different parts of the world people would look at the moon and mythologize about like what's on the moon like is it like a rabbit or you know what's happening on the moon so these different figures of the moon across that is like a rubber snake Be above that even which is now this one section that's like um going from one side of the painting to the other the top one fourth of the painting there are um, there's one big color wheel on one side, on the left-hand side, and on the right-hand side is the universe, which I suppose is like looking at color in two different ways. Like one is like light that's like traveling around the world uh, universe, and then there's also light the way that we want to kind of um, imagine it on in a textbook or in a drawing or when an artist is learning how to mix colors. On the top uh, right of the painting, there's a little parrot who is holding on to two mangoes, and all around the top of the painting on the very edges are mango leaves that are turning into uh, kind of a generic form of uh, like a beetle uh, tree like leaf. Then on the right hand side of this woman who's marching and this is again behind her is a, is a shelf structure so it's kind of imagining another whole kind of sculpture which could be which could uh, an installation that looks more like things that are in your home but maybe in a in a home of somebody who works with glass so there are lots of glass objects there are spectacles there's a jar there's a vase there's a cube there's like some kind of balancing instrument and now this is the part where the sculptures behind her began begin to like interact with her own body and so she has her hand held out and on her hand is a, a pattern made out of mehendi similar to how certain like classical dancers in india have before they perform and uh, on her the very tip of her little finger she is balancing like a metal triangle kind of and from that triangle you can see one part of this shelf of glass objects and then beginning starting from this point you can see a lot of balancing instruments that are cascading down the right hand side of her body and interacting with the sculptures at the back and this includes a little paper lamp at the very bottom of the page 
um, it includes a little like small theater set with a little donkey uh, that's standing and it's a little like kind of if you had to make a miniature theater set that's what it would look like um, then there's some more plywood sculptures arching across the bottom in and the same shape of the skirt that she's wearing behind her is a pink sculpture made out of uh, foam like the kind of pink foam that people use in sculptures and a um, couple other things are happening with wood there's like a little uh, mirror that is uh, that is also reflecting things that is happening around and then emerging from all of this are like these tiny strings that are going across the bottom of it and then the woman herself is me and uh, or looks like me and she's wearing this dress which is made out of um, resist dyed and block printed uh, natural dyes and it's like a full dress as very little of her body is revealed only like some her ankles her hands and her face and she's wearing a headdress and when you look at the whole image together you can it what does it look like it looks like a woman marching through sculptures but also interacting with these sculptures so i hope one could think that this is sort of happening in her own mind or these are like kind of if you had to think about all the sort of ideas you have at once or all the things that you're thinking of making or looking at or studying from all of those things happening together on one page while still obeying some sort of rules of what the size of something should be so it's not completely fantastical but that's that's the painting and it mostly has um it's made with watercolors so there is a lot of translucency at work and a lot of the paper is showing and and then there are some some very opaque moments and those are just where like they're like highlights with um a very dark like blue or black and um i would say overall it's like the color of shells i think that's what it looks that that, that would be the general color scheme is a very shell shell colorful shell color scheme yeah that's the work there it is so I noticed that you mentioned that the woman looks like you, but you don't refer to this painting as a self-portrait. That is because I use myself as a model all the time. And one reason is because it's like a nice way for me to sort of, um, for me to remember what I looked like at a particular time and what bones were visible at some time and what my shape was and so personally, it's really nice to remember, but also I, I, I am my most conveniently available and best model that I could find because I'll do anything for my own self. And so I use myself and then the things that I'm making are obviously like things, they are things I am concerned with. So in a way, it is about myself, but I would hope that, you know, enough time has passed sometimes that I don't really relate to this person in this painting or what this person seems like is not my entire day or entire experience. So, so then she can also just be uh, like a, she can also be like a character or another person altogether. But, but yes, it is, it is sort of, it is, it is me, of, you know, two years ago thinking about the things I was thinking about, but I wish I'd, I was painting other people. Um, I've thought about that. I think I want to start painting other people. And because of that, I think maybe it's just someone that looks like me and has certain ideas I care about, but maybe in a very kind of pure form, you know, like how in movies, maybe it kind of a one-dimensional person, one-dimensional uh, version of, of me. If I could have a very deep focus I, and if I could only really think about one thing, I think that's what it would be like which would be thinking about many things. And thinking about, yeah, thinking about many things and uh, also having, having some kind of answer afterwards or having some sort of conclusion. Whereas I think that I don't really have, sometimes I feel like I have a lot of interests in different things and I'm interested in, I get, I feel very excited thinking about how all of these things are together, but I don't really have a very intimate knowledge of any one thing. Whereas I think this person in this, in this painting probably has a, has some, you know, it seems like she's about to march off and do something with all of this that is, um, 
that would uh, that would that would be really rich and i i, <laughs> I don't think that's my uh, output in the world is not is not that way not yet at least so when i look at it i have this feeling of an encyclopedia you know it looks to me at the same time magical but also very scientific right i i, I guess it's because of this conversation between the color wheel and the universe but also uh, very much in, in the details, how much there is so much detail in here. So I'm wondering if you could start by telling me, how do you uh, plan for this painting? How did you plan? Um, you mentioned that you did it two years ago. So I'm wondering if that's uh, something that is still fresh for you, how you went about with starting this painting and thinking, well, I'm going to do this painting that will have these elements and how you, you would choose these elements that would be part of this very rich imagery. There were a couple different reasons why I did this painting. And it is, it is actually quite fresh because I think it was made almost exactly two years ago in the summertime when I was at um, a residency at Storm King called Shandaken. And um, I was ever some, some reason. So I started, so I studied sculpture in graduate school and I made a lot of sculpture after that. And then now I think I don't make as many things that would be maybe very, like very um, kind of very, clearly fall into that unless we expand all of sculpture to also be all the gardens and but I mean maybe I don't think in that way or I don't look at as many uh, artists who are, who consider themselves sculptors while making things anymore I look at different things and so if we think of it that way but I started painting while while making sculptures and I was it happened because I felt it was a it was sort of Something that was fall going wrong in my in when I would make sculptures is the is the very real problem of gravity and the you know how things have to kind of stay the shape that you want them to stay because I don't work with heavy things and I don't work with things that have a lot of mass like like metal or wood and I work with very kind of flimsy thin things like paper or fabric and this is mostly because. I've had, you know, I've had to move a lot in the last few years. My family, my immediate family does not live in this country. So, you know, I, I can't just store heavy things somewhere. I don't drive. So who's going to move all that stuff? And so I've always made like really light things, which you can kind of fold up, store easily, carry easily, things that I can carry on my own, things that the postal service can help me transport from here to there very cheaply. But, the, but also by making these things, something I noticed was there was kind of, some there was like some imbalance between how I want something to look and how I want it to be suspended in the air or above ground and the way that the things that are holding these things together maybe it's like string or or some kind of stand or some kind of floor or whatever something that is making it uh, kind of limp and like lose its like energy totally and lose its like beautiful form that it has when it's flat, when it's not being uh, suspended against its against its like desire to be flat, uh, and when it's actually working uh, uh, against gravity a little bit. And so, in paintings, it became possible to make things that are doing exactly what I want them to do without having to construct all of those things. So that's one reason. So I am very interested in a lot of different materials and like how magical many different materials are and um, the, you know, the, their ability to like really startle you and make you uh, amazed at like, you know, for example, like glass or uh, glass in like, in the way light passes through glass or the way it switches through it. And at the same time, I feel that I really don't want to make more things and I, and I don't want to right now. So sometimes I wish I was, you know, I wish I was like, if all my rights and liberties remain the same, I wish I was an artist like many decades ago where I was, where I was not at all thinking about what is this made of? Where is it going to go? You know, what would like, what had to be mined for it to be made? Uh, what is it doing to the water? Was it, what is it doing when it goes to the landfill? Like, if I didn't have any of those concerns, 
I think I could make many more things more freely. And so there's that, there's that, that I don't want to do that anymore. And I don't have the kind of, uh, I don't have the sort of mental liberty to just explore materials because I want to, I, or innovate in that kind of way. I, I don't have that and I can't do that. I can't allow myself to do that. And so, but I, of course, I, I, I love that at the same time. And I'm really excited by that. And, and this seems like, this seems, if what I have to get from making all of this is kind of a memory of what something like this might feel like, then the painting satisfies that. And if what I, if what we remember from our material experiences is kind of this memory that is in, some like a film in our mind that is neither material nor just an idea, then maybe the painting can also do that, just be a vision of something. So that's another, that's another thing that I, that's another thing that I'm trying to like satisfy by, by, by making this. And it does satisfy that, uh, uh, you know, and all, and while making this particular, this particular painting, it was summertime and I was just one year uh, into teaching full time, which is what I which is what I do most of the year. And I have I began thinking of paintings as of one, you know, of course, like satisfying these urges, material urges, which I don't think I want to really explore in real life. So just doing it through painted form. That's one. And then also kind of resolving certain certain like technical problems, like actually how would something like this look if it was a sculpture? So maybe drawing it out first. And then the third thing also is using a painting as a way to solve certain problems or hope that like real things that I'm thinking about and hope that I can see some kind of relationship that can that can help me figure out something I'm, I'm working on. And at this time, this summer, I was about to, in the fall, teach a class on color and color color theory and ways of working with pigments. And so, you know, I don't think making a painting about color or making a painting about how we think about color helps me figure out my syllabus at all. But the painting, well, but I think the, I think, I mean, I, I title my paintings different things all the time based on like how rushed I am to like complete an application. I, just, you know, but, um, but, but something that I was thinking about that maybe, maybe if one, if you had to have a title for something, then it would be about making, um, figuring out a color curriculum for the fall while holding a rubber snake or some, some, some such thing. So I was trying to make an image of myself thinking about all the things in the world that inform our preferences and desires for certain colors or color combinations and how could that knowledge that we just have um, and that we are responding to all the time, how could it be filtered such that it would make sense in a curriculum or in a syllabus and what are the objects and readings and things to look at and see or pay more attention to that would help another group of people, which would be my students, also understand that for themselves and open that up in their, in their own minds as they proceed. So that was another, that was kind of like the, the, main, the thing that I was thinking and kind of really worried about at the time when I was making this. And then, you know, the, the, the way that this, the work is structured. So of course, like these are like these like swirl of different things like that I'm worried about or thinking about at all times anyway, there's all this at any given moment, there's some like future plan I'm trying to resolve. There's some like desire I have that I can't maybe talk about or discuss, not in this painting, but in otherwise, and that maybe I feel like, oh, I can make a, I can paint it so, this, so that, I am being open about what I'm thinking without revealing uh, like some secret to everybody, but at least I have put it down and whether someone understands it or not is not, a, you know, not the problem, but I have said it. Usually this is related to when, I, like, when I'm in love with somebody, but in this picture, I'm not in love with anyone, but I was thinking about the syllabus. But I usually start with something that, like some kind of like, some kind of central form, and usually it's like my own person around which things can begin to balance. And then, then the painting becomes a place to also try and, try and place images 
or an inventory sort of almost of images that I'm excited by thinking about material processes that I'm interested in, for example, Rizzo's dyeing, for example, block printing, so that even if I cannot physically, even if I in my lifetime cannot like master all of these things, I can make an image of like, what if that was possible and I did it and then I made a dress with it, then this is what would it would look like. So there can be a place for that in this painting. There can be then sometimes, sometimes it is really a matter of like, solving solving some kind of like problem in this painting. So what what forms need to be here? And then like if, if it's a sphere or if it's like a linear arrangement and then what are things that actually, not just like arbitrary things that I can place in there, which are just pleasing that then just take space in the painting, but actually sort of also make sense for the sort of moment that this person is in and uh, the kind of world that is being made around this person. So. And that's something I think about a lot. Like I don't, I am very uh, aware of things that are beautiful to paint and that are simple, that, that just makes, that, that kind of makes sense and fix, fix certain issues in the painting. But I no longer just want to put marks here and there that do for me no more than just kind of taking up a space that like, uh, that needs to be taken up by a certain color or form. It, it should ideally be like a little hint into much like the kind of things you think of when you see a certain object and how it can be in this like family of objects that's being built around the person. And then something that I am interested in is how people and how artists create like a sense of layering and um, within their paintings without maybe planning the whole thing at once. So yeah, I never plan my entire painting. I just maybe have like one figure and then slowly start placing things and maybe not putting down so much that you are limited by whether something can be in front of it or behind it or around it just enough so that if something had to snake around it, it can, and it can still feel like it was meant to be there. I know that there are so many artists I admire who plan out their whole work so beautifully beforehand, and then they you know, make versions of it, and then they kind of see that through. And I think that, I wouldn't say I'm, I wouldn't say laziness, but maybe I, I, I really don't have the patience for that. And I would much rather paint and think at the same time rather than um, knowing beforehand what something should be like and which is why these, this, this such a painting like takes like such a long time, not because I'm sitting and painting it every hour, but because I have to keep stopping um, and hoping that I see something that is, see something or think of something that is, that is at least illuminating enough for me at that moment to to like then go and sit inside the painting as well. That's exactly what I was thinking while you're talking. That's exactly what I was thinking because, well, the word symbolism was coming to mind because I was uh, thinking about how uh, every single element in this painting has a larger (laughs) reason perhaps to be there, right? And... um, I was also wondering how is how because after you painted it and after sometime that you look back and you you see like well that was the first year that I was uh, teaching full time so obviously I was worried about how I was going to teach what I was going to teach obviously those uh, there was that pressure so when we are looking back perhaps it's very clear but I'm wondering while you're doing the painting, when and how do you notice? And I, I don't know that that's something that, that you can actually answer, but I would love to hear more about it. How it is that you come to notice that there is something present with you, might be a concern, might be something that you want to change or might be a pleasure, I don't know. But there is something that is significant enough that is present with you that you would like for it to be in the painting. Right. And once you notice it, how is it that you go about to decide what is this element that will be there in the painting? Do you think you could elaborate more on that? I feel all the time that I want to make a painting of something 
if I feel it like deeply enough. And I don't know like what the kind of, I don't know like if there's any, it's like, you know, it's, it's like you feel something and then I, I, I don't know, I, maybe some why, why people do anything at all um, to sort of memorialize a, like a feeling or to just to remember that they felt that. I have very often, at least once I could say, I have felt like I made a painting only because I really wanted to remember a feeling and I didn't want to forget it. And I knew that as time passes, I would forget how important something was to me or how much something delighted me. I would absolutely forget it because new thoughts would take the place of that feeling. And so I, I, I wanted to paint that, that thing right then and there uh, uh, because as, as, as a way to, as a way to remember, because, you know, I, I have tried to like write about things that I feel and I'm usually very embarrassed when I read it afterwards. So I find the way that I write about my feelings to be uh, so mortifying that I self-censor even as I'm writing because I want to not embarrass my future self. Uh, so I, I try to be, but with painting, I never feel that way, you know, because uh, like the entire like universe of like, I mean, colors are so, they're so, colors are so beautiful. Paint is, paper is so beautiful. Like you're, you, you, you're being aided by such gorgeous things that it's not even like, it's not even about like your thought or whatever. But, but I think, yeah, I am very, uh, very aware of like what I'm making and what I'm feeling at that time. And maybe it's also kind of a way of maybe not obsessing over something too much because when you're painting, or at least when I'm painting, I'm beginning to think so much about like all the paintings I have made. Am I trying to take any shortcuts here? Am I trying to just do something that I know I can do and I'm just putting that in anyway? Does this really have to be here? Is there some other kind of color that I can try and work with? Is there something that I, I'm thinking in a way that is so different from like whatever, what, whatever I'm preoccupied by that it's a really good way for me to spend my time uh, maybe also even procrastinate. So all of this time, I was not actually writing a syllabus, which I could have been doing, but instead I was just making another, like another thing, uh, assuming that, oh, this is, I'm thinking about the thing. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a nice, it's a kind of a nice way to like make an egg, you know, um, like roost while you, while you're feeling this thing. And and, you know, I, I really hate interpreting works. I think that's something, one of the things I hate, dislike most in art making. And one of the things that I want to do the least is have something be, be have art, art making for me to treat it like a language where this means this and this stands for this. But at the same time, I'm very, I am really aware of uh, the symbolic value of many things. And it's exciting to use certain things knowing that, yes, absolutely, this, this particular leaf is used at the, is, is used on the top of doorways, but this is another placement of it. And it could, of course, to somebody who's familiar with that leaf, immediately take them to like their door in Bombay or Delhi or wherever, but it could do that. And at the same time, it could also be about, it could also be showing that, yes, this means this thing. And here it is also just a leaf. Uh, and there's nothing to gain from thinking too much about it. And it's, it's present, it's right there, it's present. So, yeah, so I think some, some when I look at this, I can absolutely think all this. I, I remember all the things I was thinking about, not as a way of like understanding my older self, but just as a way of recalling. So it is kind of like, a, it's like an outdated encyclopedia. Like, you know, it's just the things that one knew that, that were current at that time may not be relevant anymore, but I, I was thinking about it and, and a lot less embarrassing than a diary entry about this or, or like a blog or something. So much more less embarrassing than that. So I'm thinking about the, encyclopedia and these all the elements that are entering here and first I'm thinking about the reference to 
different forms of art here. So, uh, of course, there is a sculpture. Uh, then you mentioned dancing, right? Uh, and I'm also thinking about the kite as a form of art because of the way of uh, such a detailed way of folding it and uh, dealing with it. So I'm, I, I don't actually have a very formed question here. It is perhaps a question of your approach and your vision of the relation between the forms of art and how that is uh, informing you and your making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I love the I love the history of craft in the world more than anything else. And and you know, by craft, I, I don't mean at all like art versus craft or any of that. I I don't believe in that at all. Um, I really don't. I really don't believe in that because it it is absolutely blurred. If you go down hundred years in any direction, it's completely blurred. What what this is or what that is and art craft. You mean that the difference between art and craft. Yeah, I think there's no difference. I feel there's no difference between anything, but there is a difference between how people value things, There's a, which changes culturally. There's a difference between what we perceive as useful or not useful or the various uses of something. There's a difference between how much we pay people. There's a difference between how much we are uh, okay with earning and how much we need to earn, how much what we transfer to other people. There are differences in that, but I don't think there's any difference between art and craft. I don't even know what these two words could ever mean separate from each other. But the way we perceive craft now or whatever falls under craft. So if we have to use that word and if we have to use it in terms of objects that also maybe have some utility in like kind of a domestic sense or more than a, a looking kind of sense, then if that is that. So there are so many so many, I mean, I, and it's also, you know, the the homes I grew up in and everything that was, there were so many instances and there is such a, there is a, a giant history of being alive where things that were around us were made by somebody's hand and maybe even someone you know and maybe even yours and I, I love all the things that our hands have been able to make and I think it's one of the, the loveliest thing that people do uh, or, or humans do is how they work with materials like like kind of like birds birds and how they work build their nests and how how birds work with materials too but it's really it's kind of it's it's such a nice thing music is also one like or how we dance and how we sing how we use our body and i really wish that i could live so long which would become thousands of years if I had to have a kind of mastery over materials. So if like, for instance, in this painting, if I knew not, I mean, you know, even if you think about like a beautifully or like whatever is called like a master work of, of textiles with like block printing, it's not that the, it's not that the master printer also made the block, it's not that he also, and you, you know, sometimes it's a he, I think very often, at least in South Asia with dyeing, it is a he. It's not that they also made the dye. It's not that they also harvested the dye and also made the fabric and also made the pattern of the block. It's just that the, it's, it's the form final, like, you know, the printing of it and the exactness of it. And then, then there's another person who's brilliant at thinking about dyes and has this knowledge that's been passed down. And then there's another person who will cut this cloth together to make the dress. And there's another person who's thinking about, you know, the design. So there are just so many lifetimes of separate knowledge that comes together, separate knowledge that is aware of other knowledge that comes together to create something that is that 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 is just flat but but flat and extremely rich and holding on to so much geography time tradition specific aesthetic specific reality specific plant that's growing there that of course it's not possible for me to do that and at the same time also make excellent kites that have the right structure that can also fly that have like the where I have understood how to glue paper exactly so it doesn't ripple and 
also carve wood and also know how to bend bamboo to make the kind of wooden window that's right behind her. Then to also know carpentry to make this little stage, to also know how to balance everything. Just, it's just, it's not, I don't know if I can, maybe some, maybe it is possible for one to be able to do many. It is, I think, of course it is possible. But I think that maybe, maybe not possible for me. And it's just so difficult to admit to myself that I will not be able to learn how to use every material in a way that where what I'm thinking about can match what my hands can do. And, but I love it. And so, so maybe it's even like kind of a, maybe it's like even like in that way, a little bit like devotional towards those abilities and towards those ways of making and remembering and thinking about that as I'm working. So behind her in that moon blanket, that's like small, like tie dye, those dots are from tie dye. And then somebody has put like small red, small red uh, little dots all around the edge of it. And so this is the work of many different kinds of people and what they can make. And, and not what I'm making with my own hands, but maybe many, 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 many kinds of very rich skill sets and rich ideas that people hold in our world and have. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking of all of them at, at the same time. I was very moved by all of this that you're saying. And I was thinking about the process of making it and looking at it and remembering all these things and all these stories and all the value of this larger culture in which you are participating as an artist, but at, at the same time, you're not participating in a certain way or in a certain time or in a certain kind of community, right? But that this work is also speaking about that. And I'm thinking about the just the process of uh, going back to this work as you are making it and looking at it and uh, looking at other things that you will bring to it, wondering from a very pragmatic perspective if you are using other images as references or if you are um, relying more on your imagination and your fascination and also on your memory of seeing other things like that in your past and on histories because it feels to me while you're talking that there is a lot of storytelling involved in the valuing of this culture that you're bringing up. So I, I, I'm wondering if you could uh, talk more about how you uh, perceive this process of looking in this complex perspective, right? That is not just like looking at one thing and using it as a reference directly, but is does it make sense how I'm asking this? No, it totally makes sense. It makes sense. So, you know, I, uh, I, you know when I made this, I was in, in a studio with just like trees around me and not even any tree that would have these leaves on it. So a lot of, you know, the leaves are, of course, from my life and my, my, my childhood and my adolescent years in India. Um, and every time I go, you know, go home. And so they're from my home. You know, of course, I, there's no, was no, no mango in front of me either. But it was the summer, it was summertime. And I was thinking about mangoes that I would be eating if I was home. And uh, so there are, you know, some things that, some of the, a lot of this is like imaginary, but it is from something that I saw, the collection of it just like stayed, that just made me like, in the beginning of, like, okay, actually Instagram, in the beginning of Instagram, and I started using it in 2011 when it started, there was something that I could feel about Oh, like seeing an arrangement of objects, even Pinterest is like that, right? Like it's an it's not so much like the and Pinterest when you have these houses and some house plant and something and something. It's not thinking you're not thinking or like I am not thinking of the space as what does the space feel like to walk around and how to be you know the temperature or any of those things that I'm thinking right now in my home here, but it is 
this sort of arrangement of things that in the square or rectangle make make look beautiful or are or there's like a balance of like the white wall against which all of these things are and this lush green which gives a sense of oh this must be a space filled with light or there's somebody here to like care for all these plants or and how that sort of just looks together and what it suggests rather than what the real the real living around these objects would be which is like watering takes a very long time and um, you know, dusting everything takes a very long time. And so that sort of just said this, uh, so I, I remember I, I would, you know, I would see something, something, and I worked at, actually worked at a museum for a while as well. And I would see certain things like the way in the storage, like how things were placed together. And it just looked arresting. And I, I you know, I would want to take a photograph of it and then share the photograph of that. And very often photographs that I'm attracted to it's this kind of double, this dual kind of thinking. It's I'm not even thinking, I'm not thinking about the space. I'm not even thinking about what's in the picture, which is, I, I'm saying this is, this is not a good thing. I think it's a sad thing because it makes everything kind of, it makes everything, it reduces the sensory experience of many things to just this one arrangement way of thinking about it or thinking about it. What's the word when we, <laughs> when we, orient ourselves spatially thinking about the spatial arrangement of that and just that and 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 stripping off it of so many other things and for me at least when I'm looking at pictures of like images and in interior design magazines which I look at a lot and I'm and I, and I look at those pictures and I just sometimes I just like save that picture because I thought about oh this would look so good in a painting not and forgetting almost that this is a Place because it definitely looks usually quite unlived or it looks like it makes moments of a person's house feel like forever that this is how this thing is and it's that's false or that these objects never move they're never in use they're just there to create this sort of feeling and there are many things that are wrong with that because it also makes somebody think that if you accumulate objects in this way, it can suggest the same thing as a person who might have spent a lot longer gradually finding these things for which these for whom these objects have particular value rather than the, the kind of suggestion of a person through these. So I am interested, but but I love such images and I'm excited by them. And I, you know, having made this painting without any of these objects around me, they just, uh, I mean, I, I remember lots of things. There are some things that I see pictures of, but I just remember lots of things that I saw um, and I really liked. So for, for example, I really like the table that I'm sitting on. I really like for make, I like the idea of making furniture. I'm not very, I don't know how to make it. So, and I'm noticing the tapering of the legs. So it is possible. And I have in the have also like made certain paintings of potential like chairs or like have certain and remembering the way that a particular chair felt and curved and like sort of and, and making that again in a painting, but in a slightly different form. If I was the absolute furniture maker that I wish I was, or if I knew exactly how to make this, that's how it would look. So yeah, it is from these lot of images I have seen, being very conscious of how things are placed in images now that seem attractive in a way where you're only looking at it for like less than a second as you're scrolling, but then also being very drawn to certain objects that I have held and have touched and been really mesmerized by and kind of and, and really I don't want to say exploring that feelings because I think that sometimes like artists when or me even when we talk about things maybe we're saying more than what we're actually doing ever but it is sort of like um, well one there's a delight of like painting this over and over and seeing like what's possible and it's happening in front of me like the delight is happening in front of me so one I am making something I have an idea of like this pink foam sculpture, which I would never in my life make such a thing. 
but it is delightful. That shade of pink is lovely. I've seen that shade of pink in fish. I've seen that shade of pink on like my nail. I love that color. It's on the inside of shells. So there is that immediate delight of thinking about all those colors and trying to make that and, and seeing it happen in front of your eyes as you're doing it. And then there's also the memory of all of these objects that you have seen and loved or been, or been drawn to. And so, so maybe, maybe it, it's just sort of um, pausing with that, with that thought by, by putting this down on paper or at least kind of cataloging this, I, this or, or at least satisfying the fact that I couldn't never make many of these things. I don't know how to, I don't have the patience to, uh, my life is not long enough to make so 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 maybe maybe that is it satisfies something but yes none and and none of these were yeah so much of it is from memory much of it is from imagination of like multiple things seen and then put together in combinations that they don't actually exist in and then at the same time that combination then becomes also something that could very well be real could absolutely be there like none of this looks like it's not fantasy but it doesn't exist in this particular form um, that I have seen at least. That was wonderful because I felt that it also opened up this question of some sort of mysticism that uh, we sense with this painting. That um, it comes of course because of these images of the universe and the moon and the snake, which are all um, things that uh, very commonly uh, bring a sense of mysticism, but there is so much more to it. And I think a lot of it is in this detail that is not only the craft detail of it, but the detail of the more expanded, I'm just going to say more expanded sensorial <laughs> understanding of the living, uh, the, the life of the objects, right? And the life of the objects as we relate with them. So I, unfortunately, I need to, uh, bring our conversation to an end, <laughs> but I'll do it with these three words that uh, uh, I think they're very open-ended, um, play, rest, and nurture. And I just want to hear from you what these words bring to mind and uh, if they relate to your practice or anything really that comes to you. You know, I when I think about play, rest, and nurture, I... I can actually only think about cycling when you say all of these things. And, I'm, and I think it has to do something with something I'm noticing about myself as I'm getting older. I'm 32 now and I'm finding myself like becoming a slightly different person in the way that I think a lot more about other parts of my life that have nothing to do with making anything at all. Uh, making like anything new at all, like a painting or a dress or something to do with maybe just participating and really enjoying act activities that I can talk to lots of people about, like rock climbing, like cycling and like, you know, getting from here to there, but also like really enjoying that process where nothing that I am doing in that time Will, will be used by anybody else to measure like my creative output or some kind of um, like having entire days or entire moments in my day that have that kind of not in any obvious way speak to or connect to what I make and then what maybe directly connects to me um, in, in, in a kind of imagination of myself as an artist, but just other, other things like this as simple as maybe like having a shower or talking to my mother on the phone, which I try to do every, almost every day or something to do with like a person outside of my, any kind of creative or professional ambition I have, or even outside of anything I'm capable of doing just, Maybe if I was a pro cyclist, so that would not mean the same thing. But because I'm not that, it is this other thing that I'm able to enjoy thoroughly. And recently, you know, because there is, a, I, I like felt or I, or I maybe created some pressure to um, have 
relevance to everything that I was doing and that would involve walking. So, oh, you know, talking about walking in my or, or cooking and then making everything into some, making everything into an art project. And on the one hand, I think it is something, there is something so, which I find so liberating that your studio can be something you carry around with you everywhere or whatever a studio practices is outside of like what space you can pay rent for it's just kind of the manner in which you perceive the world and 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 in and gestures of all scales but that was still sort of that was still talking about everyday activities within again and in a context that makes sense when we're talking about art or contemporary art and now i find rest and pleasure and nourishing and, and nurture nurture are things that fall so absolutely outside of that and it is it is a way for me to understand myself as uh, a person outside of her ambitions a person who may never you know I, never be associated with the things I make and, and kind of le letting go of certain aspirations I had that were very connected to how I'm perceived by many people and it should always be an ever-growing number of people and not sort of my humdrum everyday life which is that I get really tired in the evening then I go to sleep then sometimes I make things I mostly think about what I'm going to feed myself and cooking and things that are in no, in very, or no ways at all, things that are so delightful, but in no way contribute towards like um, the perception of me, which will help me be successful creatively in like an outward way. So I would say that, and, and really uh, cycling is it. Those, that, it's the thing that makes me happiest is the thing that where I can where I have to focus so much uh, and I have to really think about not getting hurt so much that I just I just pay attention and I just feel the wind and I just think about how I'm moving and I just think about where I'm going and and other cars and everybody and all their ambitions and aspirations and locations and wherever they're going is just navigation right then and breeze and yes yeah, so but if I had to make a larger statement than that I would think of activities that are just shared with many people and have nothing to do with like the kind of smaller sort of nothing to do with me trying to make value of myself through what I make that's great thank you so much yeah Thank you. Yeah, I'm really happy I had a chance to think about all of this. Thank you for joining us. The Artist Praxis podcast is created by Deborah Fation Grodsky and Sarah Arriagada. Original music by André Javi. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe and leave us a review. That will help us reach a broader audience. If you are an artist and would like to be interviewed, or if you would like more information about the podcast, please visit artistpraxis.com.